Greetings and welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael. And for you, the second part of that two-part series on that power dynamic, that power mother and son, St. Augustine and mom, St. Monica. Last week, we delved into St. Monica and her life. This week, we want to take a look at St. Augustine. And of course, with St. Augustine, you could do um, many, you could do a whole year of of, of podcast shows on St. Augustine, but we try to hit the highlights of his life, especially looking towards that kind of Dominican sensibility and the ways in which uh, the legacy that St. Augustine has, has left us in the church. Just to mention, before we start our show, the Find Your Greatness event coming on the 27th of September this coming month, and it'll start at 6.30. Uh, tickets are um, two-thirds off at about $15 uh, that start uh, this coming week. You can do that through the website. You can come down to the office. But once again, the, the Find Your Greatness is going to be a, a talk in an evening that's connected with our Radiate conference every year. Radiate is that idea that we're called to as a parish. Our vision is to radiate the joy of the gospel in the heart of the city. And so we have a yearly, an annual event that promotes that, that kind of fires us up to do that, to reminds us of our call as Christians to evangelize, to be seeds in that culture. This particular uh, speaker comes from us, comes to us from Dynamic Catholic, Jonathan Fanning, and he's a kind of protege of Matthew Kelly. And the idea is that there are four key habits that every healthy spiritual flourishing life has has as a, a constitutive practice. And so to come and just find those and ask yourself, how am I doing in my prayer life? How am I doing in connecting with the community? How am I discovering Christ through study and through uh, what I'm learning? And finally, how am I putting this into practice? So very basic in some sense, but dynamic if we truly do it, if we truly form those healthy habits of living. So come join us as a community. Be inspired to once again evangelize, to radiate that joy. And this week, I hope you sit back and enjoy, whether you're on the go or taking it slow. Many, many blessings as you enjoy today's show. Welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Isaiah. That's Father Michael. We're on the second part of what we're calling a double feature. This double feature. I mean, we (laughs) covered St. Monica last week, and now we're covering Monica's son, Augustine. Maybe a couple of you people have heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, perhaps the more uh, famous uh, saint uh, between Mm -hmm. his mom and he but yet yeah, it didn't start out that way, right? No. So Augustine was not there. And certainly I thought we would it would be a nice, um, this is that uh, Labor Day weekend when mm-hmm. we just had vows. Uh, we've had yeah. it before we had vestition, now vows of the of our eight and now new students. I know. I know they've gone on to students. four novices that yeah. are just, yeah, getting their habits stained and all that. And <laughs> exactly. Whatever, or probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and I thought it would be interesting, you know, traditionally, well, I'm talking about traditionally, listen, listen to me, but no, this was a time <laughs> when school started started again, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah, but, but of course, school's been going now for three weeks for many schools or two or three That's weeks. True. But I, I did, when you were in school, does it was the Tuesday after Labor Day kind of yeah. opening oh, yeah. day? Yeah. So oh, yeah. Like they, they, these days, there's a kind of, there's I, I call it kind of the uh, kind of a summer creep where the, it's, it's kind of the creeping uh-huh. encroachment on summer where it's, 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 it's not really summer vacation. It's more like a month off. You get like six yeah. weeks. Not sad. Exactly. Just so sad. No. <laughs> Although, I would have a good portion of baseball season now. <laughs> exactly. Although it's funny because uh, after um, mass, you know, you're greeting folks and a yeah. number after the 930 mass, a number of uh, parents were coming out, you know, with their kids and giving yeah. high five, doing my high five thing yeah, and everything. Exactly, yeah. And so I'd be like, oh, when does school start? And the kids are like, oh, it's, you know, it starts. Two weeks you, ago. Yeah, two weeks. And they were like, oh, you're like, oh, I love school. And, I, and, and I get to the parents. I'm like, oh, school started. And they're like, 
thank God. They, they That's like, hilarious. They wouldn't necessarily say it out. They just mouth the words a little bit, or they say. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a kind of school being back in session, even though it seems a bit early. Um, it sounds like a win-win for many parents. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're happy. Their children have kind of got the. They're getting back in the routine of school. You know, and right, right. The kind of frenetic days of summer and, and planning recreation every yeah. day is 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 kind of is is kind of given way now to the regularity and the yeah. routine of of school. Exactly. And the kids are back to be back with friends. Yeah, and the kind of their friends and back into the rhythms. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so this bit. So I thought, what better way to to kind of get mm-hmm. the rhythms back than uh, one of the patron saints of learning and yeah. philosophy, theology, as Saint Augustine didn't start out that way though. So very famously, Augustine. Uh, well, his early life, as we mentioned last week, was of some care and concern for yeah. his mother. Yeah. Let's just say that he was a um, a pagan before, like a, a prodigal son before we had the term for him, particularly. That, that, <laughs> that's right. No, yeah. the, the, the gospel that Jesus yeah. says a prodigal son fits Augustine early to a T. Yeah. Um, and we only know about this, it's interestingly enough, because he himself reports. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. In, his, in his confessions. But yeah, so early on in life, it's he certainly... Um, is very bright. It turns yes. out to be one of the brightest minds of mm-hmm. his age. Beautiful, wonderful, powerful speaker. Exactly. Rhetoric in terms of rhetoric, yep. he was just Rhetorician. a bri- yeah, yep. brilliant mind. Yep. Uh, in law, in all mm-hmm. facets of of political, social, yeah. legal life, he was he was he was very. He skilled. could do no wrong, really. Yeah. yeah. No, he was he's, politically speaking. Yeah. Poli- yeah. And so he has this um, the sense of being uh, a real. Uh, difference maker in culture yeah. you know he really is he had a future he, he had yeah. a future and and yeah. yet he was always searching the life as he reports later that he's to find the truth to find veritas mm-hmm. as dominicans we certainly that's one of our mottos uh-huh. in that sense of veritas and not only in his personal life does you know he father a child out of wedlock mm-hmm. he was known for um how shall we say hosting grand parties and, yes. and being very uh, uh familiar with uh, wine <laughs> and, yeah. and women and songs so to speak but also in terms of uh, his formation intellectually brought into a kind of philosophy that we would see as a kind of dualistic philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and dualism, and if you had to kind of characterize dualism, it sees life divided into like light and darkness, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's good and evil, and there are personifications of each. So this kind of dualism, in particular Manichaeanism, that right. he's a, believes in God, so there's mm-hmm. a God, but also believes in an equally powerful yeah. dark force. Dark, yeah. mm-hmm. So in other words, you can use the word God and the devil, but in the Christian understanding, God is infinitely more powerful than the devil because yeah. God is God and the devil is just one creature among many. Whereas with the Manichaeans, that yeah. the two figures let's yeah, say they are forces. equally two f- forces are equally powerful exactly so there's yeah. this kind of yin and yang where there's there's an an equal sense of struggle right there and the, the forces there and so that plays out in terms of our world mm-hmm. in that spirit is good yeah and anything you can taste touch and see or anything of the body or material yeah is evil exactly yeah and so this really uh in, i would say infected his kind of looking at creation mm-hmm. of, of life to seeing that, okay, whatever is non-corporeal, non-bodily is good, whatever is bodily is evil. And so he got drawn into this. He, he, he talks about reading the Bible. It wasn't that he was unfamiliar with the Bible or Greek philosophy, but he really um, 
saw it as being kind of foolish. He didn't, he didn't, he, he was like, as, as the Bible says, you know, sometimes, uh, the, the scriptures are a stumbling block to Mm -hmm. those who are, who are intelligent, right. Or to those who are philosophers because the story seems so simple and he couldn't understand, you know, the kind of what he saw as contradictions, especially in the old Testament, talking snake, things like that. He's just like, that Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense, you know, kind of story. And it wasn't until a little bit later on that he saw the, fact that, and this was his big breakthrough, that evil is not something, yeah. but evil is a kind of nothing, nothing, a qualified yeah. kind of nothing. Evil is, as he says, a defines it, a privation of something that ought to be there and is not there. So mm-hmm. darkness isn't something, it's simply the lack of light, Yeah. right? So mm-hmm. a shadow is not a thing, <laughs> it's mm, created by the lack of yeah. light being there because some kind of object is, is blocking yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And once he has this kind of philosophical insider breakthrough, he's able to see, oh, evil is not some force that's on the same level as God. Mm-hmm. Evil is a kind of lack of God's presence, which should be there, but is not there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's nothing, right? It's a privation, right. not, mm-hmm. a, not a something. And once he has that breakthrough, then everything, in a sense, yeah. begins to fall into place in a philosophical mm-hmm. And then... Along with that, then the kind of reshaping of his moral life. What I always yeah. find interesting is, is that to this day and age, a lot of the controversial aspects of living the faith are usually first approached in the moral life, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. sexuality or gender or a sense of behavior. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Christianity is reduced to just behavior. But I think Augustine clearly shows us that the more important and the more powerful sense of being connected to the truth comes at the at the level of ideas and principles mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> rather and the moral life is is connected to that right yeah. and so much more important than issues of sexuality are our image of god and the yeah. image of the trinity and mm-hmm. who god is yeah. and you know if you don't have that in line it, your behavior in, in some sense is in a sense secondary to yeah. that. When you, say, when, when you say God is love, you have to understand that's not emotion. That's not even behavior. Yeah. That's a kind of image of mm-hmm. who God is as a principled level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then the moral life in your spiritual life, if you want to make that distinction, yeah. is a manifestation of those principles that come before it. Right? Exactly. So Augustine can't get yeah. morally on board until he gets ideologically on board. Exactly. Yeah. Conceptually on board. Conceptually, the principles on board too. Exactly. Yeah. So he has so he has insights on, on evil and things. So and he takes this certainly as this kind of insight from uh, kind of the Platonic theory. And so what he begins mm-hmm. to do then is uh, well then he has a certain his conversion. Although right. he's got the you know he, he has this and his conversion leads him to write what he calls his confessions. confessions. Which is uh, basically the the birth of what we would take as modern psychological endeavor, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so people who kind of make that a career that we think are contemporaries, like you know Freud yeah. and mm-hmm. um, who else is a who are who are who are other big philo- uh, yeah, I mean guys. all those developmental psycho- yeah. psychologists yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that such. They, they, right? Their so. their grandfather, so to speak, mm-hmm. is is. Um, is St. Augustine because yeah. he, he writes a, a very autobiographical psychological history, psychological history yeah. right? It's not a typical autobiography. I mean, this is not something that Caesar would have written. No, exactly. <laughs> you you know, know, they, so. It's a whole new, he invents yeah. the genre yeah. of mm-hmm. 
self-reflection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he does this in, in the confessions and he, and he analyzes his own behavior and things yeah. like that. And, and, and this is how we know most of his autobiography mm-hmm. is because he actually shares it with us at warts and all, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, struggles and all in that way. Yeah. In the first person yep. addressed to the God, the father. Yep. As a, I mean, as a kind of prayer. As a too, prayer. Right? That's yeah. A, the beautiful is, thing about it. Yeah. So he has this beautiful conversion. Also occasion I mentioned the last week how uh, St. Monica went to St. Ambrose, who was the right. Bishop of Milan at the time. And it's really this encounter that Augustine has with Ambrose that, that really kind of leads him step mm-hmm. by step yeah. uh, to the faith in its fullness. There's several stages to his conversion of course, for yeah. sure. Um, but ultimately the um, philosophy that, that uh, Ambrose was able to kind of integrate, Augustine takes that and makes a kind of, if you will, a system out of it. Mm. So he brings, if you will, Greek systems of thought, philosophy, uh-huh. and is able to see how revelation is consonant with that. Right. So you don't have to unplug our mind to be people of faith. Right. In fact, the more we plug our mind into rational thought mm-hmm. and yeah. science and good philosophical thinking, the more our faith actually makes sense and comes alive. Right. Our faith is super rational, mm-hmm. but it, it's also in, in contained in that ultimately rational as well. It, it has it has those uh, constructs in there. So he begins to apply philosophy to a sense of who God is. And so one of his most famous works is on the Trinity. Yeah. And he has perhaps one of the, the still to this day, the most um, influential images of the yeah. Trinity. Of based, love, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and mm-hmm. of... of of uh, he has a couple, he has many many but but, yes. but but of that thing which is known so you have the person you have the person like the mind right. and then mm-hmm. the mind knows something and yeah. then in knowing something loves something so there's a kind of yeah. threefold action mm-hmm. there that he sees yeah. reflected in the Trinity God the Father knowing himself and in knowing himself in that way loves himself yeah. and there's this kind of dynamism of of knowledge and love which is yeah. in the person of God. Actually, not just one person, but uh, the, uh, if you will, trinity of mm-hmm. persons. And yeah. he sees that reflected in nature. It's a beautiful book, but he's groundbreaking in terms of seeing that a kind of um, intellectual and, and desirable, loving image for, for how to understand God. Yes. So it's yeah. very, very, very powerful and um, in his way, certainly personal. So bringing philosophy, one of his great legacies mm-hmm. is systemi- systematizing philosophy to bring truth, the truth yeah. of the known world today once again very relevant. There's right. science on the one hand and then faith on the other. And how can I be, you know, a person of faith? I can't tell you how many times people yeah. would say, I'm more of a science guy. It's a false dichotomy. It is. It's a yeah. false dichotomy. Yeah. And as you go all the way back 1700 years ago, the the birth of, of what we would call kind of mm, theology in a kind of systematic full mm-hmm. way is born out of the best science of the day. Right. The science of the day. And this is what Augustine does. So, and this includes not only uh, look at truth in terms of nature, but also of God. As I mentioned, that theology, he writes um, one of his greatest works, The City of God. Exactly. In yeah. which he uses scripture and mm. once again applies scripture to the kind of unfolding of God's revelation in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, the he writes it because uh, there's this, um, it's a contemporary response to, and tell me if this doesn't sound contemporary, that um, religion starts wars. Right. You ever heard that before? <laughs> Can't tell you how many times. I mean, how many times this week? Yeah. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> no, you turn on the television and you've got, yeah. you know, all sorts of erudite, you know, 
people who have their own television shows and yeah. late night shows and do, you know, news and stuff. And it's just, it's a total, you know, it's almost taken yeah. as just a, as, as a, as a truth, a kind of yeah, piece of given. wisdom that religion starts yeah. wars. The reason why we're at war right now is because they're religious exactly. fanatics. Exactly. Right. So yeah. basically the Roman empire is devolving. It's involved in all kinds of wars. It's collapsing. And what's blamed religion? Christianity. Christianity. Yeah. And so Augustine says, oh, yeah? <laughs> now, this is a 1,700-year-old uh, mm-hmm. argument or exposition. So when people are like, oh, religion start war, like it's some kind of new argument, it's like, yeah, you really have no sense of history mm-hmm. or yeah. study if you really think that's a truism. Like yeah. you're pretty – I don't want to say you're dumb, but – you're, you're not as well studied as you think you are. You're not yeah. too smart. You're not too bright if that's what yeah. you think. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think these political things, I think they're so bright, but they're, yeah. they're so bright they're dumb. They don't know anything. Anyway, yeah, exactly. St. Augustine writes all thing, and what does he start? He says, okay, well, let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about wars before religious Christianity. Were there, mm-hmm. were there any wars before Christianity? Yes. And, and I believe there were wars that were more destructive mm-hmm. because you're wiping out whole civilizations. Yes. Right? Christianity yeah. doesn't wipe out civilizations, right? <laughs> yeah, wiping out entire cities, entire nations. Yeah. So it goes back to um, the Iliad and the Odyssey, the, the, the mm-hmm. first known epic story. And he says, okay, what, well, what are those gods all about? And those gods are all about war. Mm-hmm. The very gods themselves cause the war, mm-hmm. right? It's because the wars are fought because gods are in battle and in conflict. Yeah. And he says, can those gods indeed protect from other gods no they say so he said the roman he, he basically points to the roman gods mm-hmm. and he says who are the roman gods they were the, the gods that got defeated in yeah. the battle of troy yeah. aeneas has to take his dad and the household gods on his back and travel to rome yeah and that and that's where 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 the aeneid happens and and, and they escape and he says basically your your Roman gods, who you know basically you think have protected you and kept you from war, they're basically yeah. losers. Yeah, <laughs> they got their tails between their legs. Exactly. And so your whole again. your whole foundation in terms of religiosity or pagan religion is is really basically on the on the if you will on the ashes of of, defe- of defeated ashes of Troy. Yeah, yeah, the defeated mm-hmm. the defeated conquerors, and and he says to the point, Christianity has brought a sense of peace. And to whatever sense there's conflict, uh, Christ has tried to bring about his own city and his city, and this is where the city of God comes in. He traces the city of man, which ends always in destruction, violence, and war, and the city of God, which is involved in destruction, violence, because we're human, but is leading to a city that is eternal and is, in a sense, bringing the peace and the sense of justice that God alone wants to bring. And so yeah. it's, 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 to this day, a very relevant uh, kind of yeah. tracing of how the civilization that God wants to bring is, in a sense, the reign of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's going to bring all those kind of things. So Christianity is not the cause of war. It's hopefully in the midst yeah. of that. And certainly people yeah. can use, I, I should say parenthetically, people can use religious sentiment to justify their war. And of course, that's evil and wrong. Yeah. But at its best, or at least what the goal is, is to bring upon that to sense of... The, yeah, yeah. To, and the, to bring a full sense of peace. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's why Augustine, in fact, says when he, he talks about just war... He says that peace is not just the cessation of war, but 
the equilibrium of harmony, a kind of bringing of right. harmony of mm-hmm. justice, right? Yeah. And so it's right. kind of a, it's a balancing of equality and justice. So anyway, that's this, the city of God and his legacy on, on, on his writing encapsulated on that. Although I will say St. Augustine that the, the, the backside of city of God reads like, he's like, Oh, if you he gets into these, um, he's, 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 he writes so much. So right. volumously. Oh he gets into, I, I love the end of the city of God. The, the, <clears> the, the, the kind of, Last chapters get into, I forget. Oh, it's, it's, he's discussing if hell really has fire. And so he goes into all this, like, almost like, you kind of like, um, National Geographic of things I've seen where things right. can be burning, but not, but still alive, like a chameleon that can, you know, can walk oh. through flames. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and then, so he goes, he goes into all these kind of obscure natural kinds of things. Then he just think this guy is like, just, he's uh, the Renaissance man well before the Renaissance. He knows he all this a stuff about on nature. Everything. Yeah. He's a comment on everything for sure. Yeah. Um, so he's got his theology, his philosophy, theology, and then perhaps in, in terms of impactful, especially for us as Dominicans, mm-hmm. he's got volumes of sermons. Right. Yeah. Some of those powerful sermons mm-hmm. um, that ever written in the church. In fact, we do, of course, Office of Readings, which yeah. is that daily prayer of the church. Yeah, where we have a, a large pericope of scripture readings, mm-hmm. and then we uh, read the readings of the saints. And yeah, I mean, basically we were talking bef- before we started recording that around once a week, if not twice a week, we would get something from Augustine. Um, but he's always been constant in our our prayer life in the mornings. Yeah. So in the office of readings, you read like a chunk of scripture that's mm-hmm. kind of on a cyclical basis. So you just kind of yeah. like, you make your way through the Bible that mm-hmm. way. But then you write, you read kind of a chunk from the patristics or the church father, doctors of the church. Like yeah. I have to say, like you said, it's kind of like, it's at least once a week, you feel like it's an, it's a, it's a little snatch of Augustine, a little, a little piece from Augustine who is just very powerful in, yeah. in what, whatever he's talking about. It's worth listening to even if, Oh yeah. <laughs> even as if silly it, as it might be, it's actually really, Really solid, solid stuff. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, it's, it's not silly at all. It's, it's, it's. Sometimes you're, you're, you're kind of grasping because he, his, his Latin is rhetorically powerful, but mm-hmm. when it comes to translations, you can have like paragraphs which and are that's one what I sentence. Mean. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. It's like I just, what? Yeah, 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 exactly. You kind of have like, what's the subject of the sentence again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 you should use Augustine for any, 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 any of those who have care for, for English, and it's because of course Augustine's writing in Latin, of course, as we say, oh, but the translations, English translations find it difficult to be able to approximate mm-hmm. the the rhetoric or the power of Latin. Uh-huh. And yeah. so you have to use a lot of clauses and, you know, independent, independent clauses. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, if you want, uh, I don't know if they still do this in, in English class, you know, diagramming sentences. Right. Have you ever mm-hmm. diagram oh, sentences? Yeah. Oh yeah. Augustine would just be a nightmare. That would be like, yeah. that would be like honors class diagramming, mm-hmm. having oh, yeah. diagram sentences yeah. for Augustine with all their participial phrases and gerundives and clauses. Oh goodness. And, <laughs> but he's written sentence. so much. And like, I think it was actually our father, Augustine, that actually said that uh, those who claim to have read all of Augustine is a liar. <laughs> so, yeah, I looked that up. Yeah. They, they estimate, this is just, I mean, Encyclopedia Britannica, so take it for us, was he wrote over, what we have is over 5 million words. Yeah. And that's what we have. That's what's persevered. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how does that approximate to the most prolific writer of today? Yeah, whether it be Peter Kreeft or whatever. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just talking about just writer. Yeah, just writer. That's writer, yeah. writer. I, I, that's, I, was, I was looking up who's the most prolific writer. This woman, Corinne Tolado. Okay. She's she's published four thousand novels in her life. So she lived in the from the twenties uh, to just about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Published four thousand novels. I mean, yeah. And, well, you see, if you take, um, I guess you take that. You take four thousand novels, multiply that by let's call it three hundred words or three hundred pages of a novel. Yeah. 250 pages a word, that's like 2.5 million words. The most prolific writer of our age 
wrote isn't half. even half as much as we have as Augustine. Yeah. yeah. Or, then, or, or or who who's who's um uh, who's that uh who did the the Henry Henry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> Raleigh. J.K. Rowling. So you take you yeah. know how many words are in that in that in that in that series? It's it's, a, it's approximately fourteen hundred pages. Yeah. So the whole if you read the whole thing, it's yeah. about a million words. Yeah. So she would have to write five complete Harry Potter series yeah. to equal what so, we have. Yeah, seven and, books oh times five, thirty-five yeah. books. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of, of that lane, so. of, of that, of, yeah. of that lane. Yeah, but for me, it's a very fact that <laughs> but it's just a staggering yeah. how much, how much we have of Augustine. Yeah, uh, but that's the stuff that persevered, right? Because some yeah. of it was lost into fire and Alexander, oh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, oh yeah, I, I mean, mean like, who knows what was coming yeah, down to us? This yeah, is who, before the printing press. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just sta- it's it's mind-boggling. Yeah. How much he wrote, and that's what's persevered to us. Yes, yeah, you that's say. What's, so, it's like, so anyway, he there yeah. wasn't as 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 I had a one professor say there wasn't wasn't a thought that he didn't write. Yeah, <laughs> he was, incredible. He was just incredible in that way. So no, so so his sermons, and then perhaps to kind of bring it full circle for us here, I we we uh, we say certainly in our prayers, Holy Father Dominic. But I've always I've always thought of Saint Augustine as our Holy Father Augustine. Yeah, yeah, but I, I like to say Grandfather, Grandpappy, yeah, Granddad. 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 <laughs> okay, I get that. Because, a different era. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, truth be told, what, he's, he's 900 years before. I guess so he's actually equal, kind of equal distance between us, the same distance between Augustine and Dominic, and Dominic and Dominic, Dominic and to us. Augustine, yeah. Yeah, so oh, okay. that puts it in perspective how long that's been. Yeah. And so so he's he's more of a grandfather, or he's a great, a bit, great yeah, grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 800 years. Yeah, let's between. just put like, Two greats because yeah, you know, yeah, great, great, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's in, this, is a, this is approximately, approximately, yeah. So yeah, in fact, but before Augustine, before Augustine was bishop, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he he founded a community of himself. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. it's well, it comes because he's bishop. So uh, bishops live in cathedrals or mm-hmm. in kind of places, and Augustine certainly uh, was a very communal person. I mean, right. he, in terms of his education, his schooling, he always mm-hmm. had people that were friends and collaborators yeah. mm-hmm. and so forth. And so he did the same thing with his clergy. He asked his clergy, his priests of the diocese in Hippo, mm-hmm. um, they'd all live together. Yeah. And then they go out and ministry in different places. And so it was the, um, he began to say, well, if we're living together, we should have a kind of a habit or way of living. And this mm-hmm. is where the canonical see so the canon the not canon the, the not rule, the, the rule. Yeah. so canon yeah. as as rule of life not the weapon not the weapon but, <laughs> the, the canon yeah. Yeah. so and the and the priests that lived in the cathedral that minister in the cathedral mm. and outlying areas around the bishop were called canons because of the role in because which of the rule them. exactly yeah. so it's it's not benedict so benedict is a monastic way of life right and that's cloistered and it has a certain its own um kind of rhythms mm-hmm. but this is uh, the if you will, seeds of what we come to know now in our mendicant way of life right. mm-hmm. and the kind of blend of apostolic and contemplative life, its its first seeds are sown in the canonical life, the, mm-hmm. the canons of St. Augustine, as Augustine has um, priests that are gathered around who pray together and then minister together, um, not necessarily contempl- they, they don't have this, the, the contemplative life as such, but they have the kind of prayer life together, right. if mm-hmm. you will, the regularity of like the office together. And they tended to wear white mm-hmm. uh, as a, in terms of if they had distinctive garb in, in choir. And so, of course, this comes about 800 years later. Um, it's Dominic takes mm-hmm. on, Dominic is a canon right. in a place called Osma. Osma. Uh, yeah. at the cathedral at, at, Osmo, at the so. cathedral there around his yeah. bishop and so he's a cathedral priest a canon mm-hmm. and then he begins to say well what if I live this canon way of life but not in a cathedral 
but in a religious house where we took elements of monastic life, mm-hmm. but still had the apostolic infused life, infused it yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, so now Augustine, whether or not he actually sat down and wrote what we have today as his rule at mm-hmm. the time is there, but certainly it's influenced by, and it's a gathering of all, and once again, when you write 5 million words, you've got lots to choose from if yeah. you're, if you're, if you're blending and making fusions yeah. and kind of best It's style. rightly attributed to It's him. rightly attributed, exactly. Yeah. It's rightly attributed to him and his spirit. And so when St. Dominic had to propose a rule of life, um, unlike St. Francis, who wrote his own rule, the church had, had kind of gotten, I don't know, say they were a little bit, they had, they were we- wary and weary. <laughs> they were weary of new rules and they were wary that there was um, uh, kind of unorthodoxy coming into some of these uh, lots of groups that were like yeah. St. Augustine, influenced by the Bay, a kind of dualism. Right. And so Dominic's preaching was a response to the heresy that bedeviled Augustine 800 years before. Yeah, exactly. Which, so the Different parallels name. are just yeah. like, you know, so Augustine is bedeviled by this dualism. He comes through it and is able to kind of be converted. Dominic faces this dualism in his preaching. Mm-hmm. And so he takes the rule mm-hmm. of St. Augustine yeah, exactly. in order to model a kind of ministerial uh, formation for exactly. his own preachers who came to be known right. as the order of preachers in their life. And so that legacy of St. Augustine kind of lives on in, in, in how we live yeah. <laughs> in every way. So, exactly. so great, 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 <laughs> grandpappy, grandpappy. <laughs> <laughs> Augustine, but a, but a, but a great saint in every way. And you could, I mean, in terms of his legacy of the church, I, I don't think it can be overestimated. No, it no. certainly cannot be overestimated. The influence he had on the church, the way he, brought um, a sense of um, a synthesis of philosophy, of kind of social teaching of mm-hmm. the church and, and yeah. things like that, of, of a way of prayer and spirituality, right. the birth of kind of uh, psychological rhythms of, mm-hmm. of, of prayer, preaching and the power of preaching and then, and then the rule of life is all, all yeah. there. And it, to kind of bring it full circle from last week, all the fruit of... His mama's prayers. Yeah. <laughs> is written in five million words for it, us to contemplate today. Exa- so. Exactly. So, no, uh, a powerful saint, one that certainly um, influences here us uh, here at, at St. Dominic's uh, in mm-hmm. our own sense of our Dominican uh, Spain of life. And just in terms of rule, if, if people often ask me for like, I don't know, you probably get the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, book recommendations and things oh, like yeah. that. Uh, confessions. Oh, yeah. If you are listening to this and have not read the Confessions, Go ahead and hit pause, or we're as we come to the end, so let it go to yeah. the end. Jump on your favorite bookseller uh, vendor. You, you will be a better person for reading it. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. po- it's very powerful. I would I would say to get um, do yourself a favor in terms of getting um, a translation that's going to make it easier, not more difficult mm-hmm. for you to enter into the text. Um, I, I, re- I read the Sayers. There's been more mm-hmm. contemporary ones done. Dorothy Sayers, I think, was the kind of, and I liked hers because she had, like, she's um, she's a scholar, so she has, like, um, footnotes galore. So, ah. I, so I just, it's nice to kind of, you know, you read, and then you're like, oh, this is, sometimes there are situations that, Augustine is pointing to that you're like a little back history or he quotes, Mm -hmm. he quotes scripture like it's just oozing out of him, right? So he just, and he jumps from the Psalms to St. Paul and he weaves them together and, you know, and so having little footnotes to say, oh, where's he pulling from is going to be helpful too. But, but get the confessions, get a translation that you're, is going to resonate with you so that, so that's not a barrier and enjoy. And, oh, I will say, and certainly persevere through, um, uh, the first chapters, which is all biography, 
you then get to the, the latter chapters where he, as in typical Augustine, when he gets to the quote-unquote end or he gets to, you know, kind of the back of what he's writing, he, he tends to go and jump off the beautiful philosophical deep right. end. So he starts wondering about what is the nature of time and what, what is, <laughs> <laughs> what is, no, he gets into some very deep, you know, the creation of the world exactly, and, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. He gets, he gets kind of into the deep end. Although when I've cautioned people to read it, then they jump into it and said, oh, I actually like that. I like that philosophical, you know, yeah. uh, you know, kind of musings and 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 um uh, study e- equally right. as as captivating so but but in terms of biography those yeah, first the chapters actual story, the actual yeah. stories yeah. and it's done in prayer form and it's just it's just it's beautiful and it's a must read you mm-hmm. you can't you can't be a a well-read literary catholic yeah. uh, who's familiar with form of spirituality any form of spirituality and not have at least given uh, the confessions a a notable and uh, well <laughs> well earned perusal. So happy St. Augustine Day to everybody. So for those of us who want to support the podcast, you know what to do. Like us on Facebook, support us, um, rate us, review us, um, and tell your friends to do the same. Very good. So through the intercession of our great-grandmother, St. Augustine, may we truly radiate the joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city. Amen. Amen.